Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from, with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Ticket to Broadway, where Broadway meets Main Street. <laughs> Here's your host, my pal, David Alpert. <laughs> Hello, you wonderful e-ticket to Broadway listeners. Thanks for choosing to listen to the only podcast where your favorite Broadway stars recite their favorite Disney Parks attraction speeches. Now is a great time to be sure you're following the podcast on Instagram to see photos of our guests at the parks and play games and answer trivia. It's a great way to get further involved with this magical community. If you're enjoying the podcast, please consider becoming a Patreon supporter. Not only will you be helping yours truly create more episodes, you'll also be making an immediate donation to Gilana's Fund. Gilana's Fund was created in 2007, shortly after my oldest sister Gilana passed away, and this fund honors her legacy by helping organizations across the country who fight for inclusion, justice, and acceptance. There are many different levels of giving and fun perks at each level. Please visit www.eticketpodcast.com to learn more. The guests on this episode are simply incredible. She has starred on Broadway in Chicago, Boeing Boeing, and on the national tour of Sweet Charity, and is perhaps best known as the host of Trading Spaces, a show I was obsessed with. And he has starred on Broadway in Beauty and the Beast, The Lion King, Dr. Seuss's How the Grinch Stole Christmas, Spider-Man Turn Off the Dark, and is currently starring on Broadway in Hadestown, for which he was Tony nominated. Together, they starred in the national tour of Beauty and the Beast. Please welcome the amazing Paige Davis and Patrick Page. Paige and Patrick, thank you both so much for joining on E-Ticket to Broadway. I'm so excited to chat with you both about all things Disney. This is going to be so fun. So welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much. So let's start with a tale as old as time and discuss how a certain candlestick and a feather duster met and fell in love. Tell me about that, that national tour of Beauty and the Beast. I never expected that I would be in a musical and I certainly never expected I would be in a Disney movie or rather a Disney musical. I came to New York to pursue my fame and fortune as a classical actor making two or $300 a week. So um, the fact that I ended up in Disney musicals is the fault of 
the recently retired, wonderful casting director, Jay Binder, who recently stepped down from Binder Casting. He also cast The Lion King. And I was doing, uh, I was auditioning for the first national company of angels in America, actually. And I didn't get the part, but at the end of the day, Jay said to me, I'm, I'm having auditions tomorrow for the first national tour of Beauty and the Beast, and I just lost my reader. Would you like to be the reader? And I was brand new in New York. And so, of course, I wanted to spend the day with one of the top, top casting directors in the city. So I ran home. I went to a thing that your younger listeners won't recognize, but there used to be this thing called a blockbuster. And it was a store <laughs> where you could buy videotapes or rather rent them, bring them back the next day unbelievable concept um and i rented beauty and the beast which i had seen in the theater and, and enjoyed but i rented it again to remind myself of the rhythms and all of that went in the next day and i was absolutely blown away by the people who were auditioning as uh, an actor who didn't do musicals i thought that the level of preparation that the people who did do musicals were bringing in with the songs was unlike anything I had seen before. It was an opening night performance with each one. So then we were reading the scenes and we were reading a scene between Cogsworth and Lumiere and I was reading Cogsworth and the other fellow was reading Lumiere. And then Jay Binder said, all right, good, now switch roles. The other actor was a bit surprised as I would have been had I been in his position. And afterwards, he sent the other actor from the room after I had read Lumiere, and he said, you could play this part. And I was like, no, no, absolutely not. I do not do musicals, and I certainly don't do Disney musicals. <laughs> and um, I, I, he said, listen, I'm going to hire you. He said, come here to the piano and sing this. And so they had me sing Be Our Guest. And he said, I'm going to hire you a coach tonight, and you go home and you come back later. And you do it for the producers and the director. And I did. And um, they offered me the part and I really didn't want to do it. Um, but then I found out that I made a lot more money at that than I did <laughs> yes. playing Hamlet. Yes. He certainly never thought that he would meet his wife. It just occurred to me, we never, we should have invited Jay Bender to our wedding. We should have invited Jay Bender. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. He was responsible above everyone else. So yeah, so I then I, I, I did the show and um, there was a beautiful girl in the ensemble at the time that I, of course everybody thought was fantastic and that was Paige and you know I just kept my eye on her and then we uh, this is where we do the Seinfeld yada 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 part <laughs> yeah exactly yada 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 here we are Patrick I cannot make this up there was a conversation about Blockbuster on this podcast already. And it was Susan Egan talking about the night that she booked Beauty and the Beast. Mm. She went to Blockbuster to rent the video to watch it. It's uh, nowadays it, without Blockbuster, you would not have had either me or Susan Egan in Beauty. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's right. How exciting, Blockbuster! So, Paige, do you remember what it was like to see this classically trained actor who was playing Lumiere? Were you just starstruck and so enamored? It was a little um, love at first connection for us because um, we we definitely hit it off. I didn't know that he was noticing me. I had no idea. And, and actually, in those days, I hadn't taken over the role of Babette yet. I was in the ensemble. 
and we were kept very separate from the scene work that was going on with the principals. So I was mostly in a whole different room. And it wasn't until we started doing run-throughs that I ever even interacted with him at all. Um, but yeah, I mean, I we were in a note session in one of our final rehearsals. And he said something and I made a little tiny joke and he looked down at me and, and kind of like smiled and I looked up at him and I, there was this, this moment of like, there was like a ding on his tooth. Like, <laughs> ding. Yeah. Oh. And I think we just, I don't know. I don't know if we really knew what that was in the moment, but when we were in our first city, which was Minneapolis, that's when we really started to connect and spend all of our time together. Well, and also we were just really, really great friends at first. You know, I think you on tour, you, a lot of times you, you kind of find somebody that you really connect with that you want to go hang out with and have dinner with and go to the movies with and everything. And I just immediately connected with Paige. Are there any character traits of Lumiere and Babette that you feel that you as human beings also you know, contain? <laughs> everyone. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much everyone. I mean, yeah, we're, we're both very flirtatious, although Patrick's a lot more subtle about it. Yeah, he loves women and you know is entranced by lots of women and i'm very flirtatious and very coquettish that bet's very coquettish i think Paige, do you like to clean a lot uh yes i do um, well no she, let me she, no she no, doesn't like to no clean. yes thank you <laughs> she does clean a lot she doesn't like to do it it's a complex character it's it's as if she were a feather duster and was compelled to clean all the time. Hey, I cleaned naked for you this morning. I, I always appreciate the naked cleaning. Well, thank you so much, everyone, for listening to E-Ticket to Broadway. It's all the time we have. <laughs> We're going to talk more about Disney parks. Patrick, you're from the West Coast. Did you go to Disneyland as a kid? You know, I have a really seminal story in my life about that. It was um, going to Disneyland as a kid was um, a breakthrough moment for me in a whole lot of ways because I lived in a little town called Monmouth, Oregon. And I was growing up in the 70s. And so we would watch the wonderful, first it was called The Wonderful World of Color before it was called The Wonderful World of Disney on Sunday nights. And we would always watch. And they would announce on this program, Walt Disney was actually on the program. He would announce it. And he would be there in the park. So you would see Disneyland and he would announce the new things he was building. So, for example, I remember vividly when they were building the Haunted Mansion and how much I wanted to go. And so every year I would beg my parents uh, to take us to Disneyland. And every year being kind and loving and wanting their children to be happy my parents said, you know, we would try, but every year what I now know is there was absolutely no way to do it on the salaries that they were being paid at the time. We were real uh, lower middle class. You know, we were just scraping by with the green stamps and the food stamps and the coupons and all of that, right? There wasn't a, there wasn't a big summer vacation in the works. Uh, but I was a kid and I didn't know that. So I kept asking and kept asking. And um, finally I said, well, if I... If I raise the money to go, can we go? And they said, of In course. that voice at AJ. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and they said, yes. Uh, 
we could. So I, I said, may I have a garage sale? And sure, there's all kinds of stuff out there. They completely appeased him. Yeah, it's a very bad thing to do to a child. But anyway, I... No, I'm saying they, like, I don't... Well, I don't want to give away the end of the story. But... Well, I went and I sold a bunch of stuff. And I, as I recall, now, granted, I'm, I'm 58. So this was, you know, uh, probably 50 years ago that this happened. So my memory might be fuzzy. But as I recall, I made $400, which in 1970-something was a lot of money. Yeah. Um, it wasn't enough to take the whole family to Disneyland, but apparently it was enough to make the difference. And so we went. We all piled into our Pinto station wagon, and we drove two days camping in between because we didn't have the money for a hotel room or a Motel 6. So we drove down Highway 1 from Oregon, camped in between. I think it took about two or three days. in the, And we went. And when we got there through the gates, I kept saying, I have a younger brother. He's 19 months younger than me. So we're kind of Irish twins. And so we have a lot of love for each other. But we also, you know, would really get on each other's nerves, like, like kids of the same age do. And so I was, I got into the park and I kept saying over and over again, I can't believe we're here. I can't believe we're here. To which Mike eventually said, shut up. Shut <laughs> up. When he's told the story in past and previous times, and he says it made, it made up the difference. He sometimes tells the story like it made the difference. His parents were shamed into coming up yeah, with the I rest th of the money. I think money. they were shamed into it. <laughs> but I think it's really amazing that your parents were like, okay, like, let let the kid try. I don't think they ever thought like, oh my gosh, we're going to have to actually rise to the occasion and go to Disneyland because seriously. I mean, to, the, to, to give them some credit, I think they were doing some kind of good parenting, which is if you- That's if you literally really, what yeah, I'm exactly. saying. <laughs> yeah, no, but if you, if you really work for something, um, then that'll be rewarded. That'll be rewarded. Were they concerned when you sold all of your furniture? <laughs> I think I did sell a few things that were probably off limits, but- but anyway, I had the time of my life, and um, my, in, in those days, there were no, you know, now we can just push a button on our iPhone and record the sounds of things. So I'm a very oral person, and so my father carried this huge, uh, I would say it was the size of a, of a small trash can, but it was a reel-to-reel -reel tape recorder with a microphone that he carried through the whole trip to record all the sounds of it. And when I came home, I would just listen to the sounds of the trip over and over again. My gosh, do you, do those still exist? Oh, I don't. David's know. like, oh, because you put those in the garage, well, I'll buy them. Yeah, I, <laughs> I will buy those. Are you I kidding me? I remember I used to listen to um, over and over to the music from the uh, electrical parade, the Main Street electrical parade. Yep. Can either of you sing it right now? Yeah. The Baroque Hoedown. And Patrick, I read that you were very interested in magic as a kid. Did you go to the magic shop on Main Street when First you were there? I went because it's right there to the right as soon as you get past the, you know. So that's the first place I went. And they used to have magicians in there. Before, before my day, Steve Martin worked in there. Um, so yeah, first place I went and bought my ears and uh i think they sold the ears there my my brother was infuriated because i bought the yellow and pink ears so because i had that 
recording, I I have memorized essentially everything in Disneyland. In other words, I've memorized the Haunted Mansion. I've memorized the Pirates of the Caribbean. I'm the, all the openings of things. I can do. I can do the Haunted Mansion for you now if you'd like. Well, this is what I was going to say. You both were very kind for my birthday this year. You sent a Disneyland inspired video greeting and. And you sent it to me and I was like, wow, Patrick is lip syncing to Paul Freeze so well. And I was like, no, this isn't, you're not lip syncing. This is so, and Paige, you were a wonderfully creepy um, ghost bride. It's wonderful. But, but Patrick, would you be willing to treat our listeners with some of this speech? I will do it for you if you like. I'll move the mic a little closer so we get the reverberate. Everyone hold on. This is Patrick Page as your ghost host. The ghost host. When hinges creak in doorless chambers And strange and frightening sounds echo through the halls Whenever candlelights flicker Where the air is deathly still That is the time when ghosts are present Practicing their terror with ghoulish delight (laughs) I mean, it's... It's flawless. It's so good. I'm here to testify. I know that your listeners can't see, but he he did have that memorized. Yeah. I mean, it's incredible. It's so good. Um, I don't know how to recover from that. So give me a second. You're from the East Coast, from from Philly, yeah. yeah. Did did you go to Walt Disney World then as a kid? Apparently, as a child, I went to Disneyland, but I don't remember that. Oh no, maybe I was wrong about that. Actually, I think I asked my mom about that, and it was Disney World, which is weird. Anyway, uh, the first time I recall going to a Disney park, I was already essentially an adult. I was in college. I was nineteen. And I went with a boyfriend and we went for a whole week. His mom essentially paid for the trip because I think she wanted us to get married. (laughs) We had a big yard sale to send you there. (laughs) Very sweet. I remember the thing I remember most about it, other than just that it was amazing, was we stayed at the Grand Floridian. So we were on one of the hotels that was on the monorail, which meant we never left Disney. And therefore, like in the whole week, and therefore never left the magic. I was so shocked when we got back home, how I'd completely forgotten that the rest of the world even existed. And I was, I was taken, so taken in by the magic. Like I, I definitely have, I'm very gullible. It's true. So I don't know how much I can give Disney credit for this, but we, I believed everything so much that when we were standing in line to do the, what was it called with the body? The, Journey to the center of the body. Well, it was. It was called Body Wars. Body Wars. It was called Body Wars. There was one right? where you, you, you got a splinter and you used to have to go in and try to help them get out the splinter. You would go into a human body. You'd yeah. be shrunk down the size of a. So it's one of those virtual rides and we're standing in line. You know, you have the 
monitors taking you through and entertaining you all the way through. So you're standing in line. The whole time it's telling us that we're going to get shrunk down and go into a human finger and pull out a splinter. Well, I am getting agita. I am sweating. My heart is racing. I'm clearly agitated. And my boyfriend says, what is wrong? And I go, I I don't think I can do this. I think I have to get out of line. I just, I do not trust this. Nobody has to sign anything. What if we don't get bigger? What if it hurts? I think this is very dangerous. This is incredibly irresponsible. I can't believe Disney allows this to happen. And he thought I was pulling one over on him. And I burst into tears. And even he knew I wasn't that good an actress. <laughs> so he realized that I was dead serious. Oh my I gosh. Was terrified. Because if anybody could do that, it would be Disney. Yeah. Right? So I was buying it. I was buying the whole thing. Wow. Yeah. And I, I'm surprised you went back to a Disney park after that experience. Yeah. Well, I survived. So you did, yeah. And what I remember most about it was it enchanted me to such a degree. I forgot that a world that wasn't Disney and Disney possibilities even existed. Well, that to me, that that kind of hermetic feeling when you're at Disney is like it's it's what you pay for. It's what you dream about, and it's why I um, we were once in uh, Disney World, and we had it was during the time that Paige was doing Trading Spaces, and so we needed to have one of the. Um, uh, plaids uh, they call them a plaid. one of the plaid vest yeah one of the plaid walk, vests walk us through and one of the things that he told us was um that you know that if we would were to ask any questions about the the cast members who were playing any of the characters mickey mouse donald duck he would look at us we would say you know uh, uh how long do they how long are their shifts when can they take the head off etc cetera, etc cetera. And he would look at us as if we were crazy. He's like, that's Mickey Mouse. Yeah, of course. He can't take his head off. He's like, and so I now, having been through that and fully appreciated that philosophy, I become apoplectically furious at the Elmos and the people in the times <laughs> where they around with their heads off. That's so right. I know there's a Disney magic that we all uh, subscribe to. And it, it, especially for those of us that love the theater, it's so similar. You yeah. know, it's well, real. Yeah. You're able to suspend disbelief and exactly, you know, what, you use that great word, not antiseptic. Um, what, what did you say? Her hermetic. Hermetic. And, and people might think of that as it gets made fun of, right? A Saturday night live sketch about Disney parks would be like cheesy smiles and faking, you know, but it's not that. It's just an utter commitment to taking you to a magical place. That's all it is. It's their commitment to not ruining the magical experience. I love it. It's unconditional love. It is familiarity. It's safety. I've been very interested lately in learning about emotional trauma and how the Disney parks can heal. It's been a really interesting journey to discover especially for young kids, that it's a safe place where no matter what's going on at home, Mickey will be there to hug you. Mm -hmm. It's really beautiful.
So Patrick, that incredible voice for the ghost host, that voice just lends itself to Disney villains from Scar to Frollo, which is such a departure from Lumiere. Do you have a preference for playing either the villain or the sidekick? No, I don't have a preference. Um, I like variety, so it'd be nice to go from one to the other. There's so many of these parts that, you know, it's sound, and, and you know, it's funny because I have dreams about playing them all the time because I played Scar about 1,200 times and I played Lumiere about 1,200 times. So when you do something that frequently, you know, it's it's in there in your brain and it keeps coming up in my dreams. And and I realized that um, although I'm healthy and strong, I, I, you know, those costumes are such that I just don't think I could do it today with either Scar or with Lumiere. Um, they're very, very heavy and um, awkward to wear. And uh, so if you got any issues at all, like I, I've got an issue with my left shoulder, there's no way I could play Lumiere now. Is there a Disney villain you've yet to play that you'd be interested in? Oh. Oh, yeah. Hook. Oh, yeah. I'd love to play Captain Hook. Yeah. Okay. I want to do a production with you as Captain Hook, Paige as Peter Pan. Let's do it. Tried to get her as Peter Pan. She refuses to fly. I refused, really? Let's be clear. I refuse to wear the green unitard. Oh, fair. Well, the green unitard, you know, you can get a, you can get a, a modern design for that. Oh, it's still yeah. just a unitard. The real answer to your question is, and I'd like to put it out there, because I think that you, you, you know, you bring, you attract toward you those things that you, that you envision and ask for. When you wish upon a star, your dreams come true, right? Um, and, and I believe that the Disney villain that I would like to play is as yet unwritten and unplayed by someone else. I hope that one day to be able to originate a, a Disney villain in one of the animated films. Well, that is everybody's dream. Yes, but I am going to do it. <laughs> You've been training for it. Would you ever, though, Patrick, one night in Hades Town, play Hades like from Hercules? Like James Woods version, just for fun. Yeah, park, I went and saw Roger in the show, and then I asked Roger him, yeah. Hart did it in the um, Shakespeare in the Park this summer, right? And then I asked Alan afterwards if I could if I could sing that song because I want to I want to do an evening of Disney villain songs, and he has the and the uh, the Hades now has a wonderful new song for the stage musical. I love that idea. <laughs> David will have like a front row center seat if you. <laughs> Disney yeah, yeah totally. Well, you know, one, of the, one of the reasons is there's a lot of crossover between uh, my fans, for example, on Instagram and Disney fans. It, and I think that a lot of that crossover has to do with Hunchback of Notre Dame. I noticed on YouTube that one of the versions of Hunchback of Notre Dame that the bootleg of the pr pr production we did in La Jolla, I believe, has over a million um views and then another bootleg has over a million views and so i'm quite sure that more people have seen me play frollo than have seen me play almost anything else i've done because of those bootlegs so yeah i i i want to do an album well, with eight hundred six thousand of those hits were david <laughs> i actually saw you like, do it at paper mill an album that appealed to those people um and as it, oh you didn't tell me that that's a great idea yeah and as it happened oh uh, josh and i've been working on it well see 
And as I, as it happens, you're helping me interview my own husband. Okay. <laughs> kind of the the iconic Disney singer of the you know of the sixties and seventies, late fifties, sixties, and seventies was Earl Ravenscroft, who yes. who sings in uh, Grim Grinning Ghosts and uh, Pirates of the Caribbean and a bunch of other Disney things, and also uh, it is the uh, Sings how the Grinch stole uh, the Grinch song. You're a mean one, Mr. Grinch, and how the Grinch stole Christmas. I was also the voice of Tony the Tiger, so he's kind of a hero of mine and has been since I was a kid. So that's why we want to do this. He was also one of the birds in the Tiki Room. Yeah, he is. There's this photo I saw online. You're at Disneyland in front of the castle around the winter holidays, and you have this expression, which is the same as mine, which is peaceful, overwhelming excitement. Okay. I'm okay. Oh, yeah. That's a great shot. I've never seen that shot. What, what was going through your mind during this photo? Because it's perfect. I have no idea. This, what am I wearing? <laughs> she goes to, what am I wearing? You're at Disneyland. I must have been when you were in La Jolla. I believe that's true. What my oh, I'm just a goofball. No, you just look so happy and at peace. I was so happy. I I've always loved. You know, it's funny. I didn't like grow up loving Disney. I came to it when I was an adult. You know, like I said, when I went down at 19, and that's when the Disney bug really hit me. The the magic it just got me. I never disliked Disney. I just didn't. Patrick was like, it was his passion from when he was a little kid. We have friends who have loved, they collect Disney things like you, you know. I have an embarrassing <laughs> admission to make about that, which is that when I was in college, I, I lived a very sheltered childhood. And when I w- went to college, I one of my favorite things was I had a map of Disneyland and I put it up on the wall in my dorm. <laughs> We're the same person. I did the same thing. I kid you not. I that is it yet was, another thing I did not know about It was him. very comforting to me because I could lay there and look at it and I could go into those little places if I was really nervous, you know, or I had anxiety or depression or whatever. But then eventually at some point I did bring a girl back to my dorm room who let me know that it was not acceptable. <laughs> well, you know what? When I brought a boy back to my dorm room, he thought it was fabulous. Ah, well, you, there were lucky. you go. No, I'm kidding. I didn't bring any boys home. But I will tell you, Patrick, I had a placemat that had the Disneyland map on it. Yeah. And same thing. I would look at it and it would make me so happy and calm. Yeah, because you can put it in your mind. One of the ways I used to try to put myself asleep is I would do a little mind tour of going in the front gate, going around, going around to the Hall of Presidents, going around to the left to the the, uh, City Hall and fire place and then going down walking and then I would choose you know do I go left do I go to Adventureland and Frontierland or do I go right and go to Tomorrowland or do I do I go forward and go into Fantasyland so I used to do this all the time to help myself go to sleep at night yeah same here Paige and Patrick question for you both which Disney character most reminds you of the other one be kind I I have some ideas in my mind, so. I mean, I think of you as Lumiere. You're Lumiere with one line from The Lion King. 
I'm too happy to buy idiots. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's Lumiere. If Lumiere sounded like Scar saying that. Well, I don't, you know, it's funny because uh, to my shame, I don't know Pocahontas and Mulan well enough to, to talk about them, but I know that Paige is exceptionally strong and resilient and, and has an enormous amount of perseverance, so I'm tempted to say those. But what I really want to say is uh, Mary Poppins, because um, she is like that person that cheers you up and sets things straight and, you know, um, uh, and also she's, and I've been with her now for 24 years, but she's very mysterious. I never, I never fully like, you know, with Julie Andrews, you're always like, oh, there's something going on and I'm not quite sure what it is. That's with Paige too. Oh, Phooey, we'll be right back. Oh, what's the big idea with these commercials? It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Turns and conditions apply. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chumpacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chumpacasino.com welcome to the family no purchase necessary vgw group void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply So it's time for Fast Pass Answers. I'm going to put 45 seconds on the clock this time, not 30 like we usually do because we have two wonderful guests. So I'm going to go back and forth. But 45 seconds after I ask the first question, are you both ready? (laughs) Yes. You have no idea what's coming. Here we go. Paige, who is your favorite Disney character? Oh, I'm looking at her in my head and I can't remember her name. Mulan! Patrick, name any of the beasts enchanted objects. Lumiere, Cogsworth, Mrs. Page, name a song from Chicago. All that says. Patrick, what is your favorite Disney movie? Um, Beauty and the Beast. Page, what is your favorite snack in the parks? Oh, do I have one? Anything... Fattening. <laughs> Patrick, name a song from The Lion King. Be prepared. Paige, what is your favorite Broadway musical? Time. Uh-oh. You can still answer. Drowsy Chaperone. Drowsy Chaperone. Solid choice. Patrick, you love Beauty and the Beast. Do you remember seeing it in the movie theater for the first time? Yeah. I didn't see The Little Mermaid because I think I was uh too snobbish about it or something but it, but then they frank rich i think wrote a review of beauty and the beast saying it was the best 
Broadway musical that hadn't yet been done on Broadway. And so I went to see it for that reason. And I remember thinking in particular that the the ballroom scene was exquisite. Oh, it is nothing like that had ever been done before. That's what I remember too when I saw it. Is that really your favorite movie though? Or did you just say that for sentimental reasons? I think it's my favorite. I mean, there are some earlier ones that I love a lot. I love Pinocchio a lot. Yeah, that's- Pinocchio's scary. Paige, do you have a favorite Disney movie? I have so many. I mean, I babysit a little girl who is really, really into Mulan, and I saw that so many times. Yeah. And Frozen, honestly, it's so, it's so freezing good. It's <laughs> really wonderful. Um, I do love Beauty and the Beast, and I loved seeing it in the theater, and I was absolutely enchanted and blown away. Um, and and Nemo. Nemo and Up. Oh, yes. Up. Oh, my God. Up. I know that's it. Pixar. Yeah. Yes, that's I know Beast, you know, for example, we watched uh, the documentary about Howard Ashman the other night on Disney+. Plus. It's a wonderful documentary if people haven't seen it. And um, they began to play that opening song uh, from Beauty and the Beast. And I said, Paige, you know, it tells you something about the experience and about the song that I've heard it over 1,200 times having to go to work, and it still makes me feel good when I hear those opening notes. Put on your thinking ears, it's trivia time. Oh, boy. So here is your trivia question. We love visiting the Disney theme parks, and to maximize our time spent in the parks, sometimes we splurge and stay on property, like Paige did when she was 19. (laughs) According to travelandleisure.com, how many hotel rooms are there at Walt Disney World? Um, At Walt Disney World, well, let's say there are, I would say there are like 2,000 little towns. I'm going to say, pulling it out of my ear, Yes, that there are 10,000 rooms. Paige, do you defer to Patrick on this one? Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I can't do math. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so according to travelandleisure.com, there are over 30,000 hotel rooms spread across the 40 themed hotels of the park. That crazy. You said, "Oh, when you said in the park, I thought it was a trick question that it had to be on the monorail." Oh, like on property. Well, the ones that are associated with the, in the park that are on the park: Animal Kingdom, the Grand Floridian, Contemporary, Contemporary. Those those hotels. The There's thirty thousand. Yeah, thirty thousand. Over thirty thousand. Crazy. Oh my gosh. Now let's hear from some of you, huh? put it on social media and your fans are very excited to ask about all things Disney. So let's get started. Jess wants to know what would be your perfect Disney couples Halloween costume? Well, we've done it once. We had a, a, um, a Halloween party on the tour of beauty and the beast where you had to come as a reference from the show. You had to come as a lyric. As a show. lyric. You had to come as a lyric from a song. 
And so Paige and I came as the gray stuff. Try the gray stuff, it's delicious. So we wore all gray clothes and we did our hair gray. And I think we even put some gray in our faces and stuff. And we were the gray stuff. We were the gray stuff. That's a great costume. Well done. Nicole wants to know, what's the craziest thing that happened on stage during your time in Beauty and the Beast? Shall I say or do you want to? You, you say. The craziest thing actually isn't a very funny thing. It's that we were on stage in um, Washington, D.C. And there's a little huddle um, that happens between the objects, between Mrs. Potts, Cogsworth, and Lumiere during uh there's something there that wasn't there before and beast and bell are getting together and in the meantime we have this little huddle and in that huddle you could say whatever you liked and we had some quite mischievous actors betsy joslin jeff brooks (laughs) we won't say any names but (laughs) and and me and we were you know (laughs) we were having a good time so occasionally we'd have a little joke in there and so i was expecting betsy to bring on a little joke at this point she had just been off stage and she came on and into the little huddle. She said, Princess Diana's been killed in a car accident. So in the middle of this scene, I'm told this in the middle of this scene. And now, now what am I supposed to do? I have to go on and pretend to be this, uh, you know, debonair French candle opera. Um, but yeah, that's, that's what I remember as an event, just because it was, it was so memorable on stage at the Kennedy Center learning. Wow about that in that moment that's intense i thought you were gonna say like mrs potts fell over one night but you know, that's also very interesting oh i dare you what i dare you to tell um oh well i'll tell that story <laughs> there, there was <laughs> I've told the story in other contexts, so my I fans guess you probably have. So maybe, know. maybe people have heard it. People have heard it. <laughs> oh, let's, let's bring it. We uh, we were doing the show in Denver. If anyone's seen the Lumiere costume, it's essentially a jumpsuit that that zips up the back, so it's impossible to put on by oneself. Plus the fact that you have these um, braces that strap to your arms with um, hoses that go to butane packs on your back, and then these. Uh, 20,000 volt stun guns on each hand. So you're, you, it takes a lot of people to get you into it and a lot of people to get you out of it. And of course, then there's a microphone cord running up through your wig and all of that. So yeah, it's not the fastest process. You, you can't get in and out of it easily at all. So we had gone to dinner at the Cheesecake Factory, um, which, is a, which is a restaurant of sorts where they give you, in any individual entree, enough to feed a small village. And I had eaten this chicken marsala, which didn't agree with me. And um, so I was getting ready to go on stage and I was having an explosive bowel emergency. And so I kept saying to Jeff Brooks, I don't think I'm gonna make it. I'm not gonna make it. I'm not going to make it. We're getting ready for the first entrance. And he says, what do you mean you're not going to make it? I'm not going to make it. So I made it through the scene. I ran. And my dresser, God bless him, Judge McGroder, they got me out of that thing. I hear, I'm waiting as Babette to enter. And I hear them calling, 
Jack McGroder immediately the stage right. Jack McGroder. Well, it's Jack McGroder. Right. It's the pyro guy. It's the wig guy. I mean, it's half the building <laughs> had to be there for me to use the restroom. But I'm, going, I'm like, well, I don't know what happened. I'm thinking he's sick. Something's got, you know. I think what people don't know about those hands that Lumiere wears is they don't just come off when you leave the stage. You're stuck with them the entire time. They're on you. Yeah. Um, you can't take them off when you leave. So you're 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 you're, you're a prisoner. Yeah. <laughs> the hours traffic of the stage. But Herculean effort. Yeah. There's a Disney reference for you. It was not a quiet village that night. It was it? <laughs> was. So this has actually come up, but let's uh, to quote to quote Pumba, I got so downhearted. Every time. Patrick, not in front of the listeners. (laughs) So this one, um, it's actually come up a little bit in conversation, but um, Broadway Media asked, which costume was more physically demanding for you, Patrick, Scar or Lumiere? For me, Scar, just because I was older, I think. Um, And also the... Both costumes you can wear in a kind of a lazy way and not use them to their potential, and they'll be and they're easier to wear. But if you if you wear the costume and use it, for example, that if you do the mask work for Scar, as it can be done to really animate the mask, which is means using the body in a leonine way as well, as well, um, and really getting the walk so that the back is as straight as possible, which was always very hard for me um, to do the, not, not the upright walk, but the, 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 the animal walk to get that back as straight as possible with a cane. Um, I, I think Scar was ultimately harder because of how much, how much work went into it. Lumiere was very hard too, but I was very fortunate that I got to see Gary Beach play the part. And Gary demonstrated the extent to which you needed to wear the costume so the costume didn't wear you. So if you look at any picture of Gary playing that part, you'll see him in these extraordinary poses. And he was always like that on stage. And I learned that from him. And I'd seen other Lumieres who didn't take that lesson from Gary. And I always felt that I was grateful that I'd learned that from him. Mariana asks, do you feel that Disney shows are more restrictive when it comes to developing a character? Um, the, the answer to that is yes. Uh, when we were doing Hunchback of Notre Dame, for example, there is an attempted scene between Frollo and Esmeralda, which is quite clear in the book and is reenacted in, in, uh, in the book of the, of the stage musical. But we uh, had to stage it very carefully so it wasn't too suggestive or too graphic. Uh, even though the musical was not being advertised as Disney's Hunchback of Notre Dame because the, it's so much darker than the, uh, than the animated film that I think they didn't want parents to be confused. Um, and I think that was part of the problem with perhaps why it didn't move to New York, one of many reasons is that um, I think it was just very hard to market under the Disney brand because it's, you know, a lot of people die in this and um, it's not a happy ending. And um, and there's a lot of sex and violence and all kinds of stuff that's not normally associated with the Disney brand. 
Last question is for Paige. It actually comes from a listener named David, who's a big, big fan. And he says, I'm a big fan of both Trading Spaces as, and Disney. Would you ever be open to recording a voiceover of you narrating Snow White's home renovations and cleaning of the dwarf's cottage? Absolutely. I'll do it for scale. Can you imagine? <laughs> Paige, it's Paige Davis interviewing Snow White. Like, what are you doing? That's a really funny YouTube that somebody needs to direct, and we well, should do it. We're going to do it, I think. It's time for some tough choices. Let's play Tweedledee or Tweedledum. Here comes Tweedledee or Tweedledum. I'm going to give you two options, and you let me know which one you prefer. So Tweedledee or Tweedledum, churros or Dole Whips? I don't know what either I of those are. I almost said churros <laughs> my favorite snack at... um. I almost said that out loud. See, now I wish I would have. Oh so now, so churros probably. So churros are those like cinnamon sticks. They're breaded. They're really great. Very sugary. Oh, yeah. Dole Whip is this pineapple like float that you can get in Adventureland. Oh, I see. Well, I'll go with the first one. Oh, wait. The pineapple thing in Adventureland. I remember that now. Yeah, the Dole Whip. Right by the Tiki Room. Yeah, it's tricky. Can I get one of those frozen bananas instead? <laughs> sure. Yes. Yes, you can. <laughs> Tweedledee or Tweedledum, Space Mountain or Big Thunder Mountain? Space, Space Mountain. Solid. Tweedledee or Tweedledum, the title song of Beauty and the Beast or The Circle of Life? Mm, two Be- good ones, but Beauty, Beauty and the Beast. Beast. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. Perfect lyric. Almost. Uh, it, it, you can't displace a word of it. It's a, it's, a, it's a perfect lyric. And final Tweedledee or Tweedledum, The Enchanted Tiki Room or It's a Small World? Enchanted Tiki Enchanted Room. Enchanted Tiki Room. Only because it's a small world. How dare you end with that lyric as the last one here oh, no, before I'm we a, sign off? I actually am a person who likes The Enchanted Tiki Room, not least of which for Thurl Ravencroft's performance. Yes. Um, I, I think it has been proven that um, it's a small world is in fact what has been identified in ancient texts as purgatory. (laughs) No. (laughs) I love it. It's very sweet. But now you have, I love that, except for the, you know, the churro versus the frozen banana, you three, or the other three, you, you said the same thing for. Oh, Very yeah. Exciting. And he, he would prefer a churro over the banana, the, I mean, the pineapple thing. Over the Dole Whip. Sure. Dole Whip. Yeah. Unless, is it like an ice cream you mean? Oh, yeah. There's so many great snacks at Disney. No, no, no. I mean, you is never... Dole Whip oh. an ice cream thing? No. Question mark. It's a Dole Whip. I mean, it's... um. Oh, it's Dole Pineapple Chunks in a... It's, it's been whipped. <laughs> whipped. So is it a drink or it's is like, it a it's frozen... Like an, it's like an orange Julius, but with pineapple whip. Oh, yeah, like that. Yeah, it's like a... I've never been asked to explain what a Dole Whip is. This is very exciting. Apple and, and creamy? Yeah. Yeah, you eat it with a spoon, but they also have like Dole Whip floats. There's flavored Dole Whips. It's a whole thing. Wait, what is, what is your favorite like retired ride? Mine? Yeah. That's a great question. You know what? I have to say Rocket Rods, which existed at the People Mover track at Disneyland, because I have a very strong memory 
of going on it with my sisters and it terrifying me. It was a ride that always broke down. It didn't last long, but I always think of that with fond memories. I like that um, Robinson Crusoe treehouse. Yeah, the Swiss Family uh, Treehouse. Yeah. Oh, Swiss Family Robinson. That's right. It's it's still there. It's just Tarzan's Treehouse now. Oh, now it's Tarzan's Treehouse? Yeah. You can still go in it? Those are the things that I marveled at when I was a kid, that that was the real tree. What do you mean? It it was a real tree. It wasn't a real tree. It was a concrete. It's real. (laughs) Right. Real concrete. The next time you go to a Disney park, what's the first thing you want to do? Mm. Well, you know, that that's a tricky question because you base it on like what the day is and who you're with and what which rides are like. I usually run like fast to the Tower of Terror because I love it so much, you know, so I want to get like two or three rides on that in before I do anything else. And rock and roller coaster. And yeah. in Disneyland, I like to run as far back, all the way to the back and go on that wooden roller coaster. Yeah. You know what we do now? It's a very different Isn't nowadays than it was in the old days. Maybe what we do wooden. now is we go to the California side of the park yeah. first, and we do all those big, fast rides, and we kind of do that for two or three hours, and then we go over to the main park. Yeah. It was California Screaming, and then they updated it a few years ago to be the Incredicoaster from The Incredibles. Incredicoaster. Oh. Yeah. Okay, so we'll go on that. So that's usually what we do. We go we go do those things first. Yeah, I love it. You guys go right for the thrills. Yeah. You go right for it. Well, Paige and Patrick, thank you so much for sharing your wonderful memories of meeting together on Beauty and the Beast and going to the parks for the first time. This was such a delight. So thank you both so much. Thank you for having thank us. Thank you very much. Of course. And we'll see you at the parks. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.